Okay, the title of the sermon, I put it in the chat, is A New Attitude for a New Year. It sounds so hopeful, right? It sounds so encouraging. Uh, and uh, we're going to look at just some various verses from the book of First Peter. And uh, because it's this kind of setting, I thought it'd be kind of a little weird if I'm like sitting here and going, and now the Apostle Peter said, you know, and then like start preaching to you. So I'm going to try to like maybe uh, be a little more casual about it and maybe tell some more stories <laughs> in this setting. And uh, again, as we've been reiterating, like Pastor Aiden mentioned also, the reason why we're doing this is so that we can have a sense of community and uh, see each other's faces and be encouraged by it. And that's why we're also adding different components like people sharing testimonies. So, so I want to really ask you to turn on your cameras uh, for these Zoom services. Um, and it's a way of serving one another. Uh, it's a way of being an encouragement to one another, um, being a church together. So. Um, let me pray and then we'll start father we thank you for your word speak to us through your word encourage our hearts you know where we are and uh you know what is best for us what we need so speak to us through your word and and uh draw us closer to you and uh give us a new attitude for this new year we ask in jesus name amen so um 2020 is finally over. 2021 is here. So that has to mean that all of our troubles from 2020 is over, right? Now we're flipping over the calendar and we're gonna have a fresh start in 2021. Um, it'd be nice if it worked like that, but it doesn't. Uh, we can't just obviously flip over a calendar and then expect all of our troubles to go away. Uh, but we can, we can have a new attitude as we go into 2021. We can have a different attitude, and that's something that we can choose to do. Uh, no doubt 2020 has been a challenging year for all of us. The pandemic. So, oh, sorry, I have kind of long lashes, so sometimes things get caught on it. Um, the pandemic affected all of us in many different aspects of life. It probably affected us spiritually too. Maybe for some of us, we actually got closer to God in our relationship with God during isolation. But it seems like for many of us, our relationship with God took some steps backward this past year. And I think some of the things that we've been seeing as a church also reflect that. Um, uh, we've definitely seen a steady decrease in our Sunday attendance. Um, we've also had several people leave CLC and you know, choose to attend a different church this past year. I came across a, a Christian survey by this group called Barna. And uh, the survey, it said that one in three practicing Christians 
has stopped attending church during COVID-19. One in three, which seems like a lot, right? But it says one in three, according to their survey. Study also said that 14% of practicing Christians switched church during COVID. And uh, they're talking about how many young people are leaving their local church during this time. And um, I mean, that's actually like not too far. I think that's pretty accurate to, to our church numbers, right? When we started Zoom, I mean, when we started online service back in March, we had probably a total of about 100 people still attending our church. If you count the roughly about 15 people that were coming to SVC and then other people that were on Facebook, it was probably roughly about 100. And now we're around like 50, 60, you know? So uh, definitely a lot of practicing Christians stopped attending church in our church during COVID. And um, it also seems like, I, I mean, I know of uh, at least seven people that told me they're switching churches this past year. And then obviously there are probably other people that I um, don't know about that probably did. And so that 14% might not be far off from what we're experiencing. So, so it seems like this is a common thing that churches are experiencing right now, not just in our church. And uh, it's not surprising because there's obviously less accountability right now, less relationships, and it's actually relationships that, that bring people together and, and, and cause people to stay together. Um, so these things are happening not only in our individual lives, but also in our church as well. And again, these hardships will continue on in 2021. Hardships will always be a part of our lives and we can't control the circumstances that come to us. But again, we can decide how we'll respond, right? The attitude that we choose to have in hardships. Christine actually had a, a near accident on the highway this, this past week because a truck was coming head on towards her driving on the wrong side of the highway. And uh, thankfully there was no collision, but uh, that really made me think about, um, it made me think about a friend of mine who like in, during my seminary years, like he, like he was driving on the highway and then like something detached from the truck that was, it was a semi truck that was in front of him. And then it came flying through his windshield and it hit him on the head and he died. Um, and I remember going to his funeral and I remember his mother just wailing at the funeral, at the burial service. So, you know, I was just thinking like, what do you do when someone you love the most in this world tragically dies like that? And that's the thing, like we have no control over some of these circumstances that happen in our lives. We have no control over some of the, the tragic things that happen in our lives that bring tremendous pain to us. But again, the attitude, the attitude that we choose to have when we suffer, that's what we have control over. That's what we're responsible for before God and that's what we have control over. So that's what I wanna talk about today. A new attitude for a new year. And it's from the book of First Peter, because this letter is written to Christians who are suffering. 
and it seems like it'd be relevant for us these days. Um, I want to talk about three things, be near the gospel, be in the word, be in the fight, be near the gospel, be in the word, be in the fight. So be near the gospel. So Peter starts out his letter in this way. And for this part, for just this part, I'm going to put up uh, the verse. Um, if I do my, if I move my cursor, can you see it? Okay. Do you see what I'm doing right here? Okay. Um, so, uh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just leave. Okay. So first Peter chapter one, verse three, he starts out his letter in this way. He says, um, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So if, so if you notice here, there are, um, there's a past component to the gospel, there's a future component to the gospel, and there's a present component to the gospel. Okay, so the, the letters in red, that's the, the past, right? According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, so this is something that we've experienced in Jesus Christ because of God's great mercy, right? Because of his great mercy, he's, uh, we're born again, there's rebirth. He did it, he caused it, he has caused us, he accomplished it through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so that's the reality of the gospel that has already been accomplished, what God has done in the past. And then the letters in blue are future components of the gospel. Right? Uh, to a living hope. To be born again to a living hope. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, that's, that's, that's what's coming ahead. That's the, the future component for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's talking about the hope of heaven, the promise of inheritance, right? The hope of salvation. All these things are coming ahead. Now, the present is this in the underlying words. So in between the past reality of the gospel and the, the future uh, hope of the gospel, like this is where we live, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Now, all kinds of things are happening in this world, right? All kinds of temptations, all kinds of persecutions, all kinds of sufferings that God is, by his power, guarding us through, through our faith. So this is the reality of life now. You're suffering now. You're facing temptation now. Satan's trying to devour you like a roaring lion, he says later in this letter. You 
going through all kinds of crazy things now, but understand that this life now only makes sense in the reality of the whole picture of the gospel, the reality of the gospel past and the gospel future, hope of heaven. So, um, like, you know, every time he talks about different components of the gospel, and I'll just give two examples, like it has those elements, right? First Peter 1.13, therefore, prepare your minds for action. So this is the now part. This is what we're supposed to do now. In this life now, as you're living now, prepare your minds for action. Being sober-minded. Um, why? Like what, uh, what is that connected to? Uh, the reality of this, the future component of the gospel. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as you live this life now, Live in the reality also of the future. Set your hope on that. First Peter 2.24. Um, now he says, uh, die to sin, right? Uh, that you might die to sin, live to righteousness. That's what we're supposed to do now. And what is that connected to? Gospel past. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So that we might die to sin, live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. So in this letter, there are many um, exhortations that he gives. Peter says, like, get rid of sin, be holy, love one another, live for righteousness. But all of that is founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's connected to the gospel of Jesus. That's why um, I, you know, we're phrasing it like that. Point number one, be near the gospel. Because unless my heart is near the gospel, the things that, I, uh, the things that I'm going through in this life, things that, that I'm experiencing, things that I'm trying to do, does not make sense. Why persevere? Why try to live for God? doesn't make sense unless I'm near the gospel. You know, in, um, in previous years in our family, like when the weather got cold, we put the cover on our grill and then we put it away and we didn't see it till spring. But for some reason, this year, we've been grilling in the cold. Christine's like, oh man, this meat would taste so much better if it was grilled. She goes, do you want to grill today? I'm like, uh, okay. I guess we're grilling today. Um, and I hesitate because it's cold outside. One time I actually had to go out to the patio with a shovel. And I look like I'm going skiing. I'm not going skiing. I'm just going to grill for, for my family. And then, you know, a lot of times when we're grilling for dinner, it's dark. Not only is it cold, it's dark. I'm out there with the flashlight, right? The sun goes down before 5 p.m. here. <laughs> so, so I don't want to do it because it's cold and dark and inconvenient. Why go outside and suffer 
just for a little more flavor, right? Why go out and suffer when you can cook inside? Um, but that's the thing. The story that we believe in, the story that we believe in says that Jesus, who is in very nature God, left his glory in heaven, left the Father's side, and came to this cold, dark world and suffered for our salvation. And he did that out of God's great love for us. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And that's the gospel message that we have to always be near. Always be near the gospel. Don't go far away from the gospel story. Because apart from this gospel story of Jesus suffering for our sins. That we might be brought to God. Unless we're near this gospel story. This present life does not make sense. So be near the gospel. And that leads us to the second point. Be in the word. Be near the gospel. How can I be near the gospel? Be in the word. First Peter 2. Here, why don't I just um, at least put this verse on the chat. First Peter 2, verse 2 says, like newborn infants, Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in your, into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So just like how milk helps a newborn baby grow physically, there's a spiritual milk that helps us to grow in our salvation, and that is the word of God. And some translations will say the pure milk of the word. Why do we make that connection between the word and spiritual milk that's because right before these verses at the end of chapter one he says since you have been born again through the living and abiding word of god okay. and so um and then after that he says you've tasted that the lord lord is good you've tasted initially that the lord is good through his word your salvation began through his word and then he's saying, now be sustained in the growth of that salvation through the pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God. Um, theologians call this the means of grace. The word of God is one of the means of grace. How does the truth of the gospel, the gospel of grace, how does it come into our hearts? Through the means of grace. God has given us a few means of grace. And that is the word of God. One of those things is the word of God. It's through the, the word of God that his grace comes to us. And, and that's what Peter is saying. Like that, This is how you grow in your salvation, through the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. And that's how God designed it, so that we can grow in our faith through his word. Um, let me share this story. I, I heard it when I was in seminary. Uh, appropriately, it's about a guy who's going to seminary. I heard it when I was in seminary. I'll just share the story. It says uh, a young man 
finished Bible college. And then he sensed that he has a zeal for the Bible and for ministry. And so after Bible college, he goes to seminary and going to seminary, whets his appetite for even more. So he enrolls in a PhD program in theology. He does some research and chooses a prestigious school in Germany. His father was alarmed at the choice of his son's choice because of how liberal that theological school in Germany had become. So on the eve of the son's departure, he sat down his son at the kitchen table and said, son, you know how I feel about the school you're going to? And he says, just promise me one thing. He says, don't let them take the book of Jonah from you. And the father said this as a metaphor of how liberal theology says this fantastic story of the fish swallowing Jonah cannot possibly be true, cannot possibly be taken literally. And then from there, they apply a sterile rationalism to the scriptures to the point where they detract so much that there's nearly nothing left that you can rely on as historical or literal. The son dutifully agreed to his father, and then he went off to school. A couple of years later, the son returned home on break. His mannerisms were noticeably different. So the concerned father asked him at dinner that night, son, is the book of Jonah still in your Bible? The, the son replied with a, with a wry smile, no, dad, I must admit it is not. And then the son says, but it isn't in your Bible either. The confused father challenged his son, what do you mean? The son responded, go and check for yourself. The father, kind of uh, indignant, leaped up, grabbed his somewhat dusty Bible off the shelf where it had always sat, fumbled about for the book of Jonah. And when he got to the right pages, he noticed that the book of Jonah was missing. It was actually missing. The pages were actually missing from his Bible. He saw that someone had actually cut out those page, pages. The father turned to his son and yelled, did you do this? The son replied, yes, dad. Tearing those pages out was the last thing I did before I left for Germany. And then he says, what difference does it make? I lost the book of Jonah to liberal theology. But you lost it because in the two years I was gone, you never even noticed it was missing. That's so true, isn't it? Not reading the word of God, not obeying the word of God is the same as not believing the word of God. We can say, I believe the Bible is an inerrant, infallible word of God. But if I actually say that, but don't really believe it, believe it enough to read it, then do I really believe it? Um, not only must we be near the word of God, but we need to be in the word. And, um, you know, I think this story adds another component to 
just even like discipleship in the family, as many people in our church are now, you know, married and have children of their own. If you hope to truly disciple your children in the ways of the Lord, um, you know, I mean, it's not a one-to-one kind of thing, but a lot of times what we get excited about is what they catch and get excited about as well. And, um, you know, so we need to be in the word of God ourselves. This is January 3rd, right? Today's January 3rd. So what that means is not too late to start a Bible reading program for this year. You're only, you only have two days to catch up on if you want to start that. Okay. And, um, you know, I mean, being in isolation now, you have a lot more time. I mean, I, and I encourage you to maybe consider doing that. And the thing is, I guess unlike 10 years ago, where you had to print out a sheet, maybe 20 years ago, you had to print out a sheet and then you have to check it off every day. Like we have apps now that make reading the Bible and like keeping track so much easier now. Um, and then not only can you do that, but you can actually choose to do it with others so that you can actually see their progress and they can see your progress for more accountability. Uh, I'll share this screen one more time. Where am I? Okay, so, so we're doing it in our family and I chose the, the Bible project. It's a Bible reading. So it's, it's, it's put by the Bible project because, and I like it because they include a short video before each book. Um, explaining what the book is about so like e before each book or before each section of the book there's you know how the bible project if you're familiar with them they put put a short video out explaining what that section is about what that book is about so i think that's helpful it'll help us to understand what we're reading and so i chose that for our family and uh and you can see like this is this is this is me christine enoch daniel abel and then one more is ezra and then you can see yesterday, everyone did it except me. <laughs> uh, so I have to catch up still. But you can actually like do it with other people. And then, and then there's actually a section where you, you can write down what you learned and then you know, share that with one another. And then everyone gets what, you're, you're, you, know, what you wrote down and, and you can do that with, for accountability. So. So be near the gospel, be in the word. And then lastly, be in the fight. Be in the fight. This entire letter is an encouragement to Christians to endure hardship. And uh, because they're facing all kinds of temptations and persecutions and unjust sufferings. So here. I'll post it on a, let's try it again. Like we even just read this verse. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You've been grieved by various trials, but there's a purpose in it. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, like it's testing your faith, the realness of your faith, 
which is more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found in praise and glory uh, to Jesus Christ. Okay. He's talking about how you're going to face these kinds of trials, but there's, there's a purpose in that. First Peter chapter two, verse 20. But if when you do good and suffer for you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this, you have been called to actually suffer sometimes unjustly for it says he says for this you have been called because christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps and then just one more first peter 4 1 since therefore christ suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking Arm yourself with the same way. We have to think the same way in the same way that Jesus Christ went to the cross with the attitude that he had ready to suffer and die uh, to play a role in the story of redemption. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Forever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So suffering, it seems like he's saying, has a distinct role in the Christian's life because suffering is the main ingredient that God uses to produce the fruit of Christ-likeness. So that means, what that means is for, for followers of Jesus Christ, what that means is there will be many um, quitting points, right? Points that, that make you wanna quit. Many points that test your spiritual DNA to see if you truly are a child of God. And those who are in it for lesser motives, um, they will be revealed. And those who truly belong to God, they will persevere. Um, I've been a homeowner for a while now. And, uh, because we've owned the home for a while, like I guess I'm kind of used to fixing things. And even right now, like in our in our house, there's several things that are broken. One of the shower drains is kind of clogged, um, and I can't seem to fully unclog it right now. The ice maker on our fridge sometimes works and doesn't work, even though we got it from Costco less than two years ago. Our washer, all of a sudden recently stopped working. And then also the, the kitchen faucet is leaking from under the sink. <laughs> so all of these things are inconveniences. And then obviously, if you can kind of imagine like every, like every, the next thing that happens adds to the previous burden, right? Like, like oh man, this broken. And then another thing gets broken. And like, oh man, another thing is broken. It like adds to the, the burden of owning a home and trying to have to fix things and things like that. And, uh, um, but that's just a reality of owning a home, right? If you own a house, things will inevitably break. And I guess some people don't want to deal with it. And so they choose to rent instead. 
But if you want the benefits of owning a house, like, you know, like more privacy or the extra space and things like that, then you have to be ready to deal with broken things. You cannot own a home and expect things to not break. So when things do break, like we cannot act surprised, right? Oh man, why did this break? This isn't supposed to break. Yes, it is. If you own a house, you have to expect things to break. Everything breaks at some time. <laughs> Nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. Everything breaks at some time. And that's what Peter is saying. First Peter chapter four, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering so that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Peter is saying this is how it is in the Christian's life. He's telling them to expect to suffer. Don't be surprised. He says when fiery trials come upon you to test you. He's saying things are always going to be hard. Especially when you're trying to follow Christ. Things will always break in this broken world. Temptations will come, persecutions will come, hardships will come. So don't be surprised, rather expect the sufferings in this life and rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings. Um, you know, several months ago, I was talking with uh, Pastor Min Chong um, about just how challenging pastoral ministry has been this past year for me right like previously whenever people ask me like how's clc going things like that it's like oh things are good like things are smooth um but then this past year things have been pretty challenging you know and it's not just like you know just normal like every pastor goes through like like things like lack of appreciation or something like that i mean that's that's not that's not a big deal um but, you know, like it's things like that compounded with criticisms, um, people who you really care for, people who you've really invested so much of your, your heart into um, out of the blue. For example, like just choosing to leave the church without even telling you why or having a conversation with you. Like things like that. Like they're, they're things that, that cause pain. Just sharing some things about like, how challenging pastoral ministry has been. And then, and then he said to me, hang in there. And then this is what he said. He goes, this is what you said yes to. This is what you said yes to uh, when you accepted the call to be a pastor. Uh, when you, you know, when the, when the other elders laid their hands on you and you were ordained to be a, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what you said yes to. And, uh, and that was a good reminder for me. And I would say the same thing to you. As you go through your own challenges in following Jesus Christ. And it could be the challenge of just 
a simple thing as the mundaneness of life. There's nothing exciting about following Jesus these days. And it's just up to me to be disciplined in my life to, to just simply love him. And it's the same words that I would remind you with. This is what you said yes to when you chose to follow Christ. Don't be surprised when sufferings come. Expect sufferings and joyfully follow Christ. Um, I'll just finish with this. One of my favorite movies is uh, the movie Taken, but starring Liam Neeson. Um, and one of my favorite scenes <laughs> is when he speaks on the phone with the person who just abducted his daughter. In that famous scene, he says to that bad guy, I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> In that Liam Neeson voice, I have a particular set of skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. And you know how that, that scene goes. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. I mean, think about that. Some bad people took his daughter and he's currently halfway around the world. His daughter just got abducted on the other side of the globe. But he's so sure of, sure of it. He says, I will find you. And I guarantee you, I will find you and I will kill you. Um, as we live in this life, we realize that the sinful world is against us. Satan, like a roaring lion, wants to devour us. And not only that, our own sinful hearts wants to rebel against God. But you see, we are the sons and daughters of God. And God is more powerful than Liam Neeson. God also has a particular set of skills. And that's the thing. God guarantees the perseverance of his people. I will find you and I will help you live or something like that. God guarantees it. So as we, as we stay near the gospel, as we stay in the word of God, as we remain in the fight, we can hope in God, trust in his promises, um, and resolve to take on a new attitude in this year. Because God guarantees our deliverance. Let's pray together. I just want to encourage you to just really think of something practical that you can do. Just kind of maybe evaluate attitude and just um, maybe a practical thing is like you're going to read through First Peter and Second Peter and be reminded of the gospel and be saturated by the gospel and be near the gospel. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then 
you know, maybe another practical thing is um, you're going to reach out to your friend who's probably also thinking about reaching out to you. Say, hey, let's set a Bible reading program together um, so that we can be in the word. So I just want to encourage you to do something practical, to be near the gospel, to be in the word, and be in the fight. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives, the means of grace that you give us, the word of God, prayer, and uh, through these things, help us to see you more clearly. Uh, our hope is in you. We trust in your promise. Uh, we know that while things seem to be stacked against us, you are greater than all these things. And um, your guarantee will come to fruition. So help us to choose to take on a new attitude in this upcoming year. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Close us in prayer and benediction. If you'll just take a few seconds to pray and ask God for help. Ask God for help for today, for this week, for all of 2021. And then I'll close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your great mercy to show in our lives the salvation that you accomplished on our behalf through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the living hope, the inheritance that cannot perish, fade, that waits us. Thank you for the reality of the gospel that we can live under, near, and around. So help us to be saturated by the truth of your word that reminds us of this gospel truth. Help us to be not away from it, to not be far from it, but to be near the mercies and the love of God. Um, Lord, you know all the, the trials and hardships that your people are going through, um, and, uh, and you are near us, you are with us, you are mindful of us. Help us to know by the, the work of your spirit, help us to know your near presence and be encouraged by it. Help us to know that we are not alone and that you guarantee the preservation, the perseverance of the saints because you say so in your word. Strengthen us with that truth and uh, help us to draw near. Reveal yourself through the means of grace, of your word, of prayer, through one another. Meet us where we are. We depend on you, Lord. We need you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So we cry out for your grace and mercy. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this unchanging covenant love of the Father God, fellowship, the strength, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.